Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we've modified our church schedule to help keep people safe. We currently offer on-site Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. with limited capacity, and we ask that you register ahead of time. Please visit www.rockpoint.org slash register before you join in person. That way we can save your seat. And we also live stream the 11 a.m. service on our YouTube channel. You can always find Rock Point on Facebook or visit the website for more information, including important schedule updates. And while COVID may have affected how we do church, it cannot diminish our efforts together to be the church. We look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy the podcast. Well, we had, for those of you that were able to be a part of it in the flesh, and for those of you that have not, that saw it on live stream, um, I think we had what to me was my favorite Christmas Eve so far, I think, frankly. Um, just a beautiful time. And um, having the candles represented across... Um, I just wanted to take a quick moment and just recognize we had a team that took their Christmas Eve up and were here from about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, until 11 o'clock that night. And, uh, um, you know, we had David on keyboards, and uh, Emily was singing, uh, Mickey on the violin, Josh was quietly making himself known on guitar, Um, Stephanie on drums. We had Phil on the bass and the double bass back here. And then Philip, who's back there right now, was on, uh, you may not recognize, it was a tin whistle. And I just have to say, I really enjoyed that, Philip. So anytime, place, okay? So thank you for that. Um, yeah, you can understand that, the whole gang. And Jake leading them, and then we had a bunch of people that were doing technological things in the back and making sure everything took place. Um, in fact... One thing I would say in general, as we look into this year, and I'll, I'll, let's pause it there, looking into this year. Pause there for a moment. This is our last week of giving it all in this year of 2020, and I don't want to forget that and miss that. And so let's just take a moment here. Father, we thank you. Everything we have comes from you. And whether it's been being given online or in a service like this in one of the boxes in the back, um, we pause, not to just give you lip service, but to tangibly express that you rule our lives. You are the sovereign. You are the one that gives us life and breath, and we honor you. And so, Lord, I pray that these tithes, these offerings, would be used for your purpose, not just in this year, but beyond. And we thank you. And I pray, Lord, that this morning we'd have an understanding about thankfulness that maybe we didn't have by the time we finished this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 2020. Um, this has been, uh, without doubt, one of the most delightful years that we've encountered, hasn't it? And so if you were to see the title, Thanking God in 2020, you could sit here and say, what is that about? Well, we'll talk about that. Um, interesting enough, one of our elders had a, a similar thought in mind as well, too, and he emailed me a little bit ago and, and said, hey, what if we were to take some time to thank God for 2020? Not being cynical or joking in any way, but truly, there were things we experienced in this year that we would never have experienced if it hadn't been for some of the things that developed. There were new ministries that formed, whether it was pantry and 
another really cool, incredibly great one that I am so happy about, and I can't talk to you about it yet. Um, so once we're past that point, I can talk to you about it. But if we talk about it now, it's going to get overwhelmed. But it's been very cool. And, um, and express some of the things. And he, he pointed to the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Accept the way God does things. For who can straighten what he's made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. Nothing. In Philippians chapter 4. We're told, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. These are, are strong statements that militate against, as my friend and I both agree, the issue of what is called transactionalism. Transactional relationship is a relationship where both or all parties are in it for themselves and where partners do things for each other with the expectation of reciprocation. Almost all relationships start here, it says. You know, you date somebody ideally for what you get out of it, not necessarily for them. Transactional relationships are by nature optimized around getting the most you possibly can in exchange for as little as possible on your part. They are all about you and what you can get and not about what you can give. One of the things I'd like to spend a lot of time on, and we're not going to do this right now, we've touched on it briefly once or twice, is the idea of transactional Christianity, that we worship God because of what we can get out of it. Better lives, better jobs, better way of doing things, um, God's blessing in our lives, whatever the case is. That is not Christianity. A transactional Christianity that, that says, God, I'll follow you as long as you bless me. I'll follow you as long as your ways work the best for me and I'm healthy and wealthy and wise and all this stuff, then I will follow you. Otherwise, no, what's in it for me? That is not Christianity. That is not the relationship that we're supposed to have with God, nor that he wants us to have with him. It's supposed to be something that is rooted in an understanding of one another that is rooted in our understanding of him. We sang a song, it's your breath in our lungs, and so we praise you. It's the very stuff that we praise him with comes from him. And when we recognize that, then it changes the relationship. One of the other songs we just sang, I was scribbling down real quick here, it says, I won't be formed by feelings. I will magnify you, Lord. I'm not going to be formed by feelings. If I had a feeling about 2020, it would be a great feeling. 2020 has been, I've said to friends, the most exhilarating and the most exhausting year of my life. It's exhilarating because as a leader, there's constant adjustments and changes and adaptations, and, and, and that's exhilarating. You know, kind of like when a bullet's about to hit you in the head, you know? You, you tend to get exhilarated by that idea that imminent death is there. It's exhausting as well. Would I, would I praise God necessarily for 2020? No, but would I praise or thank God in 2020? I have to say yes, because if not, then what is going on in my relationship with him? There are things from, as I said, the pantry, other things that have taken place. Who would have known? You know, we, we, we had a New Year's celebration, and for two months things were kind of normal, and then mid-March, suddenly, who would have ever imagined that we would have not been meeting 
that for months we didn't meet. And then when we finally did meet, it was distanced. It was with masks. There are some of our people who have still yet to be on location, understandably so for some of them. Who would have imagined that? We stripped down our music team so that, well, let me be clear, we didn't strip them down. I mean, we stripped down the music. Though we should be really thankful for this. In California, some churches are still closed while strip clubs are open, so some of the churches are considering the idea of the pastor stripping just so they can open up the service. So be thankful we're not in that environment. It would not be pretty at all. Some of you are now stuck in that point. I have to move you past it. Okay? So we stripped down our musical team to uh, you know, a, a single vocalist or so, and we rotated and kept it very tight to restrict the possibility of, of any illness or issues. I want to acknowledge our music team. They served us significantly in this season of time. They really put themselves out there to minister to us, all of them. And... Uh, I just want to acknowledge that. They, they did really fantastic in this whole season for us. It's, yeah, it's appropriate. So all these changes, all these adjustments, jobs, death, restrictions, Zoom, up until really this year, Zoom was something I did in my G8 GT. I'd Zoom around town, you know, in my car. Zoom, Zoom. All our language, everything shifted in this time. But in the midst of it, even in the midst of loss, and we've had loss in this congregation, individuals. Two weeks ago, I had our own family with uh, my wife's mother passing away of COVID. We've had that loss. We've had frustrations. We've had all these things, but if in the midst of that, our vision blurs in such a way, or our commitment to God is such that it's strictly saying, yeah, we're not following you anymore. We're not, certainly not going to praise you in the middle of this. I wear glasses. I, I don't need them uh, for close-up work at all. I need them for distance, mostly. Um, I can drive without them. I mean, I hit things, but that's not a big deal. Um, but I need them if I'm going to see sharp and clear from a distance. And Recently, I had the television on, and I, I normally wouldn't do this, but I happened to have it on, and I had it tuned to a, to a music station, just, so it's just playing the music, and um, it would show on the screen who the singer is, and maybe some little pieces of information or whatever else about it. And I was across the room at the time, didn't have my glasses on, and I'm hearing this song come up. It intrigued me, and I looked over to see what the song was, and it was a Matthew West song entitled, The God Who Slays. And I thought, well, that's, that's a really interesting title. What is this song? I'm going to have to look this up. It just caught me. You know, the God Who Slays? And then because I'm a little uh, ADD, I, I start to think about Darius Slay, who played for the Lions, and I start going out sleigh bells, and I start wandering all over the place. And as my mind started going this, I, I looked a little closer. At one point, I moved a little bit closer to the television, and suddenly it came into my eyesight a little bit clearer, and I realized that the song was not the God who slays. It is the God who stays. 
And it hit me so strong that sometimes in the darkness that we experience in our lives, whether it's 2020 or something else, that our vision gets blurred in such a way that we see God as the one who slays instead of realizing that that's a distortion and shortcoming on our part, that in fact he is the God who stays. In the midst of whatever we're dealing with, in the midst of whatever circumstances we're addressing, he stays and he's there and he provides for us. But our sight is not always the sharpest or clearest, and so we misread things about the character of God. And it becomes this transactional distant element that's not partnered, but is at best maybe parochial. How many of your parents? Isn't it just the greatest job in the world? And that's sarcasm. Okay. But if you're honest, at least for me, upon having a child, it drastically changed my life. I've had more things broken and damaged in my house than I ever have had before. There is loss I have encountered. I still remember one of the very first ones back in the old days when I had a really nice camera, not the digital ones, but the actual functional ones with film. And it was on the edge of a counter. And my young son was reaching upwards somewhere and happened to catch just the, the strap of it. And I saw this expensive camera come down in slow motion. It took a good three minutes before it hit the floor, <laughs> perceptually, and then shattered. I've been told that it, takes, that, it, that it can cost you up to 200000 to raise a kid. I could be $400,000 richer than I am right now. But when these children are born, you suddenly find yourself having an expression of love and affection that is shocking. And in no way is it transactional. You give them love, and when they are babies, they give you nothing but junk. You feed them, you wipe them, you clean them, and you love them. And in your imagination, they love you too, but they don't. You're just a machine that's feeding them. As the relationship goes on, if things are healthy, then, then in time there is an engaging level of more relationship. But initially you just love them because that's who you are and that's who they are. Most of you are probably aware that by the nature of what I do, I don't get weekends. And that may seem trivial, but, but think of how many of you go up north on the weekend or how many of you take a break or spend time or do whatever else. And for me, my Saturdays and Sundays are pretty much gone for the last 36 years. So what I've tried to do is to balance it out in different ways, but one of the ways that's been important to me is to plan vacations that I can take my family on and that we'll step away for several weeks at a time. And I'm the planner. I'm the one that makes all the plans and arrangements. I research and get the place because getting the right place matters or else you end up in the sticks and, and I'll do all this elaborate airfare, whatever the case is, and it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. But I also enjoy it. It's one of my, my things. A couple of years ago, I remember when um, my sons made a point in the middle of, I think, certainly near the end, if nothing else, of one of these vacations I'd really planned for, of saying thank you. I remember because um, I I fainted immediately thereafter. (laughs) It's not that they're ungrateful people in any sense of the imagination, but they'd never acknowledged what I put into this. They never acknowledged the time that was spent 
And here's the thing. Somehow in their acknowledgement of that, something changed. First, I have never loved them more than that specific moment. But that's not true. None of my love changed. But what did change is somehow by recognizing that, it was no longer something that I do for them, but it was something that we were doing together. I don't know if you can understand that. Not because you're limited, but because of my communication. But in their thanking me for all the effort I'd put in, all the provision I'd made, all the massive effort I'd put in, if they're listening, um, their thanking me changed that to something we were doing together. God's not a human being, and he doesn't act the same way that he does, that we do, rather. But there's something about when we thank him, when we praise him, when we worship him, that draws us together in a shared moment of partnering that wouldn't happen otherwise. So what do we thank him for quickly in this year? Well, there's strings of things, and I've mentioned a few of them already. There's um, a lot of other provisions, but let me give you some real baseline stuff. You know, you're sitting here right now in this place and in this time, but you know that you're actually rotating at something like 1,000 miles per hour right now as this world spins 360 every day? You're spinning with this. You're also hurtling through space, it says now, as an average of 67,000 miles per hour. That's faster than a speeding bullet. So you're sitting here, and you are rotating, and you're advancing, and you're traveling at such a speed and at such a distance that at the end of the day, if you feel like you accomplished nothing, you should realize that you actually traveled 1,599,793 miles through space in one day. No wonder you felt exhausted. <laughs> you're spinning. You're moving, you're, all these things, and we're still living and breathing and not going off in space or anything else. Your mere life right now is a miracle. We look at the Psalms, and the 31st Psalm, it says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast. Let the humble hear be glad. Oh, magnify the song we just sang, the Lord with me. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord or praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name or praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you in such a way. Psalm 69 has a little bit of a twist that I want you to walk with me on. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. But it's 2020. What do we have to sing about in the midst of 2020? There's a passage in the book of Lamentations that reads like this. 
it says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And this passage where it says his mercies are new every morning, that word new is a phrase that means it's never been experienced before. So today's mercy that you or I receive is different from yesterday or the day before or the day before the day before. It changes from day to day. It's a new strain of mercy. It's, it's a new thing that affects the sin within us because our sin tends to change day by day. And so catch this and try to process this. If, in how old you are, not in years rather, but in days. This is the sum total of the different kinds of mercy that you have received life to date. By the time you're 21, those of you that are 21 or close to that, you've experienced 7,665 unique mercies. When you hit midlife, it numbers 14,600, and by the time you hit retirement, God has mercied you 23,725 times that he's expressed mercy to you. And this is why this writer says his mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And so he praises us like, so what? This guy didn't have to live through 2020. This guy didn't have to deal with what I... We forget. There's a reason why the book is called Lamentations. Earlier in this same chapter, this is how the chapter concludes, but earlier in this chapter, and I'm not going to read it all, but this is just a portion of what this writer is expressing. It starts off by saying, I'm the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He's driven me and brought in me into darkness without any light. He goes on to talk about how his ways has been blocked, uh, he's blocked my ways with blocks of stone. In verse 11, he turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. In verse 16, he's made my teeth, this is my favorite one, he's made my teeth grind on gravel. Just taste it. He's made me desolate, coward in ashes. My soul's bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is, and I'm bound down within me. But somewhere in the process of what he's dealing with, he's calling to mind the character of God. Somewhere his vision sharpens and he's realizing that he's misperceived and, and it is not the God who slays, but this is the God who stays, who is with me in the midst of my trials and circumstances. And so in verse 21 is where it changes, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases on any year. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Not only is it a matter of our vision, but I want to challenge you just briefly a little bit in regards to your hearing. Research in the field of bioacoustics revealed that every day we're surrounded by millions of ultrasonic sounds. For example, did you know that the electron shell of the carbon atom, so small you can't even see it, produces the same harmonic scale as the Gregorian chant. The same 
harmonic scales of Gregorian chant. I think it's crazy that if you were to tune into all these atoms, you'd hear like billions and billions of atoms, da, 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 amen, all doing it at the same time. Whale songs travel thousands of miles underwater. Metal larks have a range of over 300 notes. Super sensitive sound instruments have discovered that even earthworms make flat staccato sounds. Arnold Sommerfeld, the German physicist, and he's a pianist. And so he was caught by the fact that a single hydrogen atom, which emits 100 frequencies, is more musical than a grand piano, which only emits 88 frequencies. Science writer Lewis Thomas summed it up this way. If we had better hearing and could discern the singing of seabirds, the rhythmic drumming of schools of mollusks, or even the distant harmonics of flies hanging over the meadows in the sun, the combined sound might lift us off our feet. Might lift us off our feet. But oftentimes in our darkness and in our situations, it's not just our vision that misreads the character of God. Our hearing becomes dense in the process as well. If it wasn't, then we'd understand Psalm 69. It says, I'll praise the name of God with a song. We'd understand maybe why in Acts 16, it says that around midnight, Paul and Silas are praying. They're singing hymns to God. They're in a jail. They're in a prison, and not the nice ones that we have. They're in ones where you're kind of in a hole. People wouldn't feed you unless visitors or relatives came by and gave you food. It was the worst of the worst of the worst. Slimy, creepy crawlies, everything. And in the midst of this, they're singing hymns and praises to God. Psalm 59 says, But I'll sing of your strength. I'll sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and refuge in my day of distress. Oh, my strength, I'll sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. There's something about singing, which is one of the reasons why we gather. And as I said a couple of weeks ago recently, we are a singing people. Christians are, are the only belief system that has singing as an integral part of what they do and what we do as worshipers. And so, here's what I want you to grasp here this morning. A couple of um, weeks or so ago, I talked to you about the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. I don't know if you remember that. Remember I had Under Vitelli sing, told the rest of you guys you'll never measure up. We all felt inadequate. Um, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which is taken from um, the angels singing glory to God in the highest uh, at the time of the birth of Christ. Gloria in Excelsis Deo is also referred to sometimes or in music areas as the greater doxology. Doxology, the term is taken from doxa or logia, glory saying. In other words, it's a glory saying. And they are short hymns of praises that are in a Christian tradition um, at the end of psalms or hymns or something like that that are added on. So Gloria in Excelsis Deo, if you're tracking this, is the greater doxology. The lesser doxology is something that if you were raised in the Catholic tradition would be the uh, um, patri, or Gloria Patre, um, Glory be to the Father. In Protestant circles, we just call it the doxology. And if you're Protestant, that's the only doxology you probably know. But Gloria and Excelsis is the greater one, Doxology is the lesser one, and it goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is a glory saying, glorifying God. That's the doxology, a glory saying, glorifying specifically God. 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. There are those that believe that the tradition of those hymns and these doxologies coming at the tail end of glorifying God come from something in Judaism called the Kaddish. The Kaddish were these little glorifying of God moments that would come in different portions to break up different sections of the service. But if someone tells you and their Jewish friend says, I'm going to go sing Kaddish, it is invariably meaning that, they're going to, that someone has died in their family and they're going to sing a song of mourning for them. So Kaddish are these hymns of praise that divide up these doxologies, these glory sayings that break up certain portions of the service. For us, they come at the end of hymns, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, um, or you know, praise God from whom all uh, blessings flow. But if a Jewish person is saying, I'm going to say Kaddish for my father. My father died two years ago, and uh, there's an element of closure that I've not been able to get because of certain things that I'm hoping to have that this next month. And I guess, I hadn't thought of it till now, but I guess in a way I'm going to, uh, hopefully in this next week, I'm going to sing Kaddish for him. And in this sense, um, they, they sing it as a song in the midst of death. And here's how it goes. Glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days, and with the life of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon, and say, Amen. Uh, there's a responsive part to this. So I'm actually going to have you engage this part at the amen part, okay? So let's try this again. Um, I'll skip the first paragraph, go to the next. May he establish his kingdom in your life and during your days and with the life of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon and say, May his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed be he beyond all the blessings and hymns, praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world and say, may there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and for all Israel and say, that was weak. He who creates peace in his celestial heights, may he create peace for us and for all Israel, or we could say Michigan, or we could say Sterling Heights this day, and say, Amen. Amen. This is sung at the death of a person. This is what is said and sung by a person of faith at the time of what for them was probably their greatest loss. It's a doxology. It's a glory saying. Here we are in the midst of whatever deep pain we struggle with. And yet we sing praises to God. We seem to not be able to hear the multitude of of rhythms and sounds and beats that are around us but we praise God and in the midst of it our ears open and before long we can hear maybe just a little bit of a Gregorian chant from a carbon atom. It seems so dark around us that we can't see our hand in front of our face. We look up to heaven and all we see is the God who slays. 
But as we worship, as we thank him, as we engage in praise despite that, our vision sharpens. And we see that he's the God who stays. We think we're just sitting still, and then suddenly we realize the incredible miracle of how fast we're rotating, traveling, and moving. Do I thank God for 2020? Not particularly, any more than any other year. But I do thank God in 2020. And I'll thank God in 2021 and beyond and every year in gain or in loss. To do less than that is to become a transactional believer. And that means you're not really a believer at all. But when we acknowledge it, we suddenly partner with him. We suddenly mature in who we are. And suddenly we come alongside. And whatever the circumstances are, we're doing it together. Realizing he was always there to begin with. So, to conclude this gathering, I want to do several things. And the first is this. I'm going to ask you to sit where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to stand at all during this portion. There'll be another time. And I'm going to ask if you would sing um, the doxology. The very simple, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And as you do that, reflect on the year. The first time we sing it. But we're going to sing it a second time right away as well, too. And in that second time, I want you to reflect on what you have still. And then because we're still not going to be finished, we're going to sing it a third time. Now, if you're not into it by that time, we're going to sing it 10 more times. That's my threat. Maybe 50. We're locking the doors even now. Some of you on live stream are glad you stayed home. No, we're just going to sing it the three, three times. And the third time, after you've processed what you've lost, what you have, I'm going to ask if you haven't already arrived at that point, maybe you'll do it in the first verse. But by that third verse, that you begin to focus on what the words are saying. Praise God from whom. And begin to see and have your eyes opened as to who God is as the God who stays. And to hear truly his blessing in this time. So, don't stand Stay where you're at, but let's sing this together, the doxology. Praise God from whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from Praise 
from our perspective on this trip. But we know that you have a plan. We know that uh, we're going to be brought to a good place and you're going to bring us home safe. And so, Lord, even in the midst of whatever uh, tripping point there is in this journey, we praise you, we worship, we, we thank you, God. And in doing so, we partner with you in these moments and habit these praises, I pray, oh God. And open our eyes to see who you are. Open our ears to hear the praises of our brothers and sisters and be encouraged one to another. In your name we pray, amen. If you'd join us in standing, please. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord, or worship Him. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. My goal, personally, in this next year, is to be a more thankful person and to be a more praising person than I have in this last. I hope you'll join me in that. Father, this morning we, in the midst and at the end of this year of 2020, we as a people give you thanks. We praise you. We see you for who you are, the God who stays. We hear, Lord God, your voice in the midst of these times and even whatever dark place or prison-like environment we feel we are in, we praise you, we worship you, and we give you thanks. And now, Lord, I pray blessing upon this congregation. I pray blessing, Lord, upon this place, these people, Lord God, and that as we go forward together in this next year, 2021, that whatever is thrown at us, good or bad, that it will not change or hinder our relationship with you because we are not transactional believers. We are simply believers and disciples and followers of yours, Lord God. And so we commit in this next year, and I pray blessing in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year.